If the kitchen is a place to eat and a place to cook food, does the kitchen really matter to God? Clearly, God created us to need food in order to live, and the kitchen is where it happens. God is the one who provides our food for us. Every good thing we have is from Him. Unshaken. I am your host, Julie Van Warmer, and I'm really glad you're joining us today uh, for this episode. Unshaken is a podcast to encourage women all over that we don't have to live stressed, overwhelmed, fearful, or weary lives. We can live unshaken because of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who steadies us, and He is our rock and our fortress. And I am so thankful that I and you too can be unshaken. I hope that you are certain of this truth as well. And I'm so glad that you're joining us today. Our episode is episode number 179, and we are going to be talking today about the kitchen. The kitchen is probably a room you spend a lot of time in. Uh, I feel like I'm there a lot. We tend to be there to both cook meals and clean up after meals. You know, there's so much process of grocery shopping, planning your meals for the week. Um, It's crazy. And if you have a small kitchen table, a small table in your kitchen, you might even be sitting in your kitchen to eat. And and I had that once too. The kitchen is a pretty important room in a home. And so we're going to take a walk through our kitchens. We're going to talk about how to make your kitchen fun and how to make it a friendly place for husbands, for children, family, friends, neighbors, and even strangers. And how we can take our kitchen beyond our walls even, um, beyond outside in different ways. We're going to chit-chat about the kitchen drama, which um, I'm looking forward to that part of this, and a few fun tips that might help you in your kitchen. So let me introduce you to my friend, Sarah Desson. Sarah, it is so great to have you on again. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. And this is your first time on the podcast in the studio. Yes, this is so cool. Yeah, we got all the techie stuff going on today. Yeah. <laughs> um, you have very been... official. We are. We're very official. I feel like <laughs> I need a name tag or something, right? Um, I don't know what for, though. <laughs> Who would need to know my name? <laughs> I know your name. That's right. That's right. Okay, so um, Sarah, you've been on before, though, but because our listeners may not have listened to those episodes, but mm-hmm. you always can go back in our archives and listen. Mm-hmm. But why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do all day and who you live with? Okay. Well, I'm a wife and a mom. Um, I live with my husband, Josh, and we have five kids. They range in age from 16 down to six. We have three boys and then two girls. And I'm currently a substitute teacher, so I'm spending a lot of my days hanging out with kids at elementary schools. Um, my yep. favorite my favorites when I can be at the school where my, my girls are at, but currently I'm doing a long-term sub-job, so I'm spending a lot of time with preschoolers. Oh, Yeah, <laughs> it's been fun. Um, my days are full of a lot of songs and Play-Doh and counting and letters and all that good yep. stuff. Yep. So, um, and then when I get home, there's all of my own kids' activities, driving them around to ballet and band concerts and cross-country meets and all that fun stuff too. So it's a busy, busy life. <laughs> we're, yep. we're just also, we're um, very involved in our church. So we host a small group and we're part of a Bible study. So yeah, lots going on. Yeah, I agree with you about the subbing because I'm, I'm currently subbing too. And I told my husband that Preschool and like kindergarten is really just a lot of mothering. Yeah. It's yeah, like a lot of hugs. And- yes. <laughs> it's like, okay, no, we don't share chapstick. You know what I mean? Like that was what yes. I said this week. Nope, nope, we don't share chapstick, you yes. know? So it is a good thing. So we, you have skill in mothering. You have a few kids. A few, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I do too. So it's yeah. helpful and, and that's a good thing. Today we're going to be talking about the kitchen. So um, let's start by talking about what 
you were most excited about when you were setting up your very first home, your very first kitchen when you and your husband, Josh, got married? Was it your kitchen that you loved? Was it another room? And what was your favorite kitchen gadget back then? Like, what? And what's your favorite kitchen gadget now? Okay. Um, well, yeah, when we first got married, our place was this tiny apartment. Um, <laughs> it, it was above a business in this downtown of this tiny town in Indiana where we okay. were living. My husband worked for a newspaper. Um, so, yeah, we had this super small apartment. The kitchen was so small. It had... Like two cabinets, mm. no counter space. I did my cooking on the kitchen table. So like oh. my kitchen was not my favorite. Um, I think my favorite part of that apartment had this those cool like black and white tile floor in the hallway. I oh, always liked that. That's it felt cool. like a city apartment, you know. It huh. felt, felt cute. Um, it was cozy, but it was not somewhere where we wanted to stay long. Um, back then, I think my favorite kitchen gadget, my mom had given me some different Pampered Chef gadgets when yeah. I first got married. So I had this like food chopper that like you hit the top of it and it chops up your veggies really quickly mm -hmm. um or like a pizza stone i use that quite a bit mm -hmm. um i think now my favorite is i have a KitchenAid mixer that i use all the time i'm like a big baker so um i also have one of those awesome like apple peeler peeler corer slicer combo right? deal thing and you and, turn it and you yeah you turn it and it like does it all at once my kids yes. are like it's so satisfying I you know how kids yes. say that about everything yes. it's so weird that's the new that's the new <laughs> phrase right <laughs> it yes really yes is. um and yeah of course like with me working so much my crock pot is a go-to mm. as well so yeah yeah i love my crock pot and I have enjoyed my Instapot, and in my oven, I have a um, air fryer. Oh, I haven't used one of those. In my actual oven is a part of it. So oh, neat. Okay. I love that. Cool. But I would have to say that my very favorite, my very favorite thing recently was two pairs of kitchen shears hmm. that my daughter got me for my birthday. She said, what do you want for your birthday? And I said, I want kitchen shears. I feel like they are always gone. Really? People always take my kitchen shears out of my kitchen, and somehow they end up somewhere. I don't even know where they go. Like getting used for paper and I stuff? I think so. Yikes. Or maybe they get taken to the garage and put in someone's tool bag or, <laughs> you know, like, I got to cut stuff. So yeah. I have a two pair, and they're like um, mm. turquoise. Oh, cool. So everybody knows that they're mm. mine, you know? They're supposed to leave them in the kitchen yeah. if they're kitchen shears. And my daughter picked on me that she said, you know, that's just not a fun gift idea. I don't want to buy you scissors, you know, for your birthday. <laughs> so she also got me a really pretty necklace. Oh, so that sweet. was nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was your biggest fail in the kitchen, Sarah? Did you have any particular recipes that ended up being horrible? I, you know, I remember a few from that little first kitchen of ours. Yes. Like, <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure that I once just took a casserole out of the oven and then just dropped it on the ground, <gasps> like straight from the oven. I can't remember if it was salvageable or if it broke, you know, like, but I remember crying about it. Yeah, I don't <laughs> want to eat ceramic in my yeah, casserole. No, yeah, no, no. Um, I also remember there being some gray potatoes. I don't know what was going on. Like you I, cooked like mashed potatoes or something? I think they were like shredded, but they were like Gray. gray. I don't know why. I don't think we ate those. Um, but then the worst, the most memorable was this casserole. And why were there so many casseroles? <laughs> I feel like I made a casserole like every, every night. Day. Is that like a first married thing? I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, this casserole that I made, we ended up calling it salt casserole because Ooh. it was just straight. It was like eating forkfuls of salt. It was supposed to be, it had been my grandma's recipe. It was supposed to be this like million dollar casserole. And I remember liking it from when I was little, but it was not yep. edible. Yep, so. that's not good. Well, I've shared this before in the podcast, but my worst one was making our famous, our Bill's family's meat pie, which okay. is really, really good. And they actually made a whole recipe book, hmm. his sisters did, and his aunts, which is really cool because I have recipes from his mom and from his aunts that, 
you know, to pass down. Like I can share those with my daughters. That's cool. Yeah, I really like it. However, I did not, I think there might've been, I think I didn't read the recipe right. So instead of putting a teaspoon of salt, I probably put a tablespoon of salt okay. in. It's always the salt. And I, it was just, I remember my husband, he's so factual. This is, this is my husband. He's just <laughs> tells it like it is. And in my marriage, I've learned that's a good thing. But if, but when you're brand new married, it felt very criticizing, but it actually oh. is good, you know, but he said, Ooh, wow, this is really quite horrible. That's what he said. <laughs> And I cried and later, you know, he goes, well, and I remember him saying, well, it is because it really was. It really was. I just, you know, I ate the whole bowl anyway, but because I was too prideful to admit it. (laughs) So I I got all my salt for the whole year then. Oh, man. Uh, Okay. Well, we all have had fails. And if you Mm -hmm. haven't had a fail, get ready. It's coming. You will have a kitchen fail. It has to happen sometime. Right. At some point. But since we're in the kitchen, we're going to talk today um, all about the things that happen in the kitchen and how to make our lives better. So I was looking up some facts um, just to kind of help us. And and this is actually um, from an article from the a website called The Home Budget. And I just, I'm just i just going to pick up a few things from this article. It was all about the history. Um, a couple things were that early times, men were, men, actually mostly men, were out hunting, right? And women were gathering nuts and, and have found a way to cook his kills because you couldn't really eat, right? Raw meat. I mean, yeah. I don't think people in the early days of the world ate raw meat. I, I think they know, cooked maybe. it, you know? Um, and then ancient time kitchens, notably um, prior to the 16th century, were really not a place to host guests because everything was cooked over a fire. So there was, you know, smoke everywhere. Right. And so you didn't do that. You had a second room that you sat in. And even some people even now have a dining room or a sitting room where they you know, have their family sit in rather than in the kitchen. Um, if you go back to Greece, the kitchen is carefully located next to the bathroom. And that was hmm. because it can be heated from the heat generated from cooking. So obviously, if you're going to use a oh. restroom, you would want to have a warm place. Yeah, that so makes sense. that was interesting. The Middle Ages brought a different change to the kitchen design because humans started to use metal cauldrons, which, you know, we think of um, during the middle, mid, middle, oh, what's the word? Medieval times, that's the word I wanted. (laughs) Um, Mostly, you know, to cook over a fire, but it kept it warmer so they could move things around. Um, The Romans were the first ones to make a, like a smoke, you know, bricks that made a tube to extract all that smoke out of the kitchen, which I thought was interesting. And then in, in England in 1185, the invention became popular around the world, and that was... Um, that the architecture and the function of the kitchen, which is how we know it today, is more from that time era, from the 16th century. Okay. Um, and so, you know, the advancement of the kitchen architecture is really just the process of things being changed over time, you know? So the kitchen doesn't look the same as it did a long time ago, but the uses of the kitchen are the same to cook food, right? Yeah. And then to eat it. We um, often take our sink, our stove, our refrigerator for granted, but honestly, we should be thankful today for those appliances. We sure should. Those appliances and those features, um, even if you have something fancy like an air fryer, you know, um, obviously those are just things that God gave us to help us be more efficient and provided for us. Um, Anyway, the article I referenced didn't even list dishwashers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I am really thankful for my dishwasher. Me too, yes. Uh, God bless all you ladies who don't have one because I give you a round of applause right now because I do not like washing dishes. Me neither. So Sarah, I love definitions. So what actually is the kitchen and what do kitchens look like across cultures, like countries, even continents? Okay, well, so like if you just look up 
a kitchen in the dictionary, Webster's 1828. That's my favorite. Yeah, I love that one dictionary. Too. It calls it a cook room, the room of the house appropriated to cookery, hmm. which really just means it's the room used for cooking and food right. preparation in a house, which I guess we know. Um, but the question of like how they look different across cultures wasn't really something that I had thought that much about before. So um, finding out some more about that was really interesting. There, So there, there may be like style elements that are different, like you know, there's going to be more minimalist minimalist designs in Asian kitchens, which are usually a lot smaller than ours are, or like more bold patterns in African kitchens. But there's a lot of more significant differences too. Um, food around the world has just infinite variety, so mm-hmm. there's there's tons of different ways to make food. Um, most kitchens we're familiar with are going to come from like the traditional Western or it's called French style cooking so like okay. a french style and european style kitchen um is what we're used to but in a lot of developing countries the kitchen shares a common space with the living and the sleeping areas um in a lot of places in the world people just don't have separate rooms yeah. like we do right so um a lot of times they're cooking inside with fire pits or simple stoves kind of like what you described yeah. of earlier times you know if there's not electricity um, but like in Africa, a majority of the cooking is done tr- was traditionally done outside, um, and there's more of a communal aspect to cooking, uh, where families will gather to talk and have fellowship while they prepare the day's meal. Um, and then like a modern African kitchen will include a lot of like cast iron pots, mortar and pestle, some of that kind of stuff. Um, and then outdoor cooking, it's not just limited to Africa. There's a lot of other parts of the world that do a lot of outdoor cooking. It's more of a traditional um, type of cooking in the Mediterranean regions of mm, the world. Yeah. Um, and now, though they've contempor- the contemporary cooking has come up with ways to bring it indoors. Um, and one thing I found interesting, like in parts of the world where there's a lot of Jewish community, the kitchens are often catered to making it easier to keep the dairy and the meat products separate hmm. because of like the kosher restrictions. So there would be like essentially a double kitchen where wow. there's like sinks and ovens and utensils separate according to, like, the meat part and the dairy part. Right. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. It is interesting. Um, and then when you look at, like, Asian cooking, there's a lot of pressurized cooking appliances as well as woks, rice cookers, steamer cabinets. Um, and some favorite Asian dishes actually require such high heat that home kitchens aren't really even equipped to handle them. So a lot hmm. of dishes, they used to be made outside there as well. Um, modern people, a lot of people just buy the food pre-made because the convenience is just um, easier. (laughs) Than buying the the things you need to cook that outside. Yeah, Yeah, because it needs needs to be cooked so hot. So that was interesting to me. Um, And, you know, also, like, other cultures use different eating utensils, too. Like, in India, most food is eaten with your hands. Right. And they use, like, banana leaves as plates. (laughs) Huh. Yeah. And, of course, you know, Asian cultures use chopsticks, which we don't often use. Yeah, so. and I cannot eat with chopsticks. Me can either. you? No. I just like stab it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I try. I try and pretend I can do it, but it's, no. it doesn't last long. No, I'm back to the fork. Maybe yeah. I should do that and then I'd be skinnier <laughs> <laughs> if I had to use chopsticks for a year. <laughs> oh my. Well, it's interesting to think about kitchens all over the world and kitchens all over history, but really we need to think about our kitchen. Yeah. And think about what God has done and how he is even, like, is even God a part of it. So why do you think God even designed a family to have a kitchen or an eating place? Does the Bible tell us anything about kitchens? Like, you know, where does it say it? 
Well, I mean, it talks a lot about food for sure, if not specifically a kitchen. Um, and when you think about it, it makes so much sense because we're eating all the time. All the time. I know. Every I, day, you know, it's often. Yes. And it's often social too. Like yes. it's something we do with other people. So yeah. Um, yes. Three times a day feels a little excessive, doesn't it? You know, <laughs> it the yeah. cooking, the cleaning. Yes. The, yeah. It's anyway. a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and like we rarely eat alone. So yeah. of course God would have something to say about food. It makes sense. Um, in the Old Testament, there were many regulations that were given about to the Jews about how to prepare their food, the way that God wanted them to do that. Um, and then in the New Testament, there's many meal-themed stories and examples that Jesus and other people that taught in the New Testament gave, um, not to mention how many events occurred at meal gatherings. If you think about it in the Gospels, you know, Jesus' first miracle was at a wedding banquet. Hmm. He fed the 5,000. The 5, he the Last Supper yeah. was a super significant event, um, even him preparing breakfast for his disciples after his resurrection. So, so many lessons surround food. Clearly, God created us to need food in order to live, and the kitchen is where it happens. God is the one who provides our food for us. Every good thing we have is from him. The Lord's Prayer reminds us that he gives us our daily bread, and Jesus tells us that he's the bread of life. It's beautiful imagery of how he is exactly what we need, just like we need food to live. Mm. And bread has long been a staple of food in all cultures, but bread has to be baked. So we have the privilege of getting to do that. Mm. One, yeah. of, one of the passages that I thought of when I was thinking through like where the Bible talks about the kitchens, kitchens yeah, yeah. <laughs> was I, I thought of Proverbs 31 because it teaches us all about what a godly woman's like. Um, one of the first things it says that she does in verse 15, it says that she rises while it's still night and gives food for her household. So one of her biggest responsibilities is preparing food. God made us in his image, and like he feeds and provides for us, he allows us to be part of the work of feeding and caring for those in our homes. And in that work, we can point to the God who ultimately sustains us. Hmm. Well, you know, Sarah, I think that's really helpful to think through, you know, that the word kitchen as an, isn't actually in the Bible, but the concepts are there, right? I mean, yeah. eating is really what we do with the f- kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at our church right now, we are currently studying Ecclesiastes um, in our small groups, and food is referenced a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. For example, Ecclesiastes 3, 12 and 14 says, I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in his toil. This is God's gift to man. Hmm. So obviously God is okay with food and drink and merriment, right? Goodness, I sound like I'm from the 1800s using the word (laughs) merriment. But anyway, um, so why is the kitchen an important place? And give me some reasons why someone would want to make their kitchen cozy or welcoming or even organized. Yeah. Well, I think it's important because it just the kitchen often ends up being the place where people gather. They gather around food, obviously. Yes. <laughs> food brings people together. And we all eat several times a day, like you mentioned. Um, you know, I mean, kids seem to eat like even like hourly. I don't yes. know. They're I always to, there begging. <laughs> I used to call my kids grazers. Yeah. Like a oh, cow. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So they'll just come into the kitchen and stay. <laughs> yes. So in, even if you have a separate dining space, you likely have some kind of a space in your kitchen where people can come sit down, like a kitchen island or, you know, like a little bar where they can sit or even stand around in the person with the person who's cooking. Um, often that's the mom in the house who's doing the cooking. In our family, that's the case. I do yeah. pretty much all the cooking. Me, do, me too. Yeah. And I know, like, some families, the husbands will like to assist and do some, you know, 
Yep, cooking or smoking and all that right, stuff. Right, or, or even help with the dishes. <laughs> yeah, Some yeah. Husbands well, are my, husband, my husband does do that. Yeah, yeah. I'm thankful. Um, but, you know, often the kitchen is where the woman in the house will spend a significant amount of her time. Preparing food, washing dishes, teaching her kids to do those things. Yes. And often listening and talking while she's doing those things. So a lot of teaching happens in the kitchen. Um, I think about, you know, how we're often going over a wanna versus over breakfast, um, talking about the kid's day after school, helping with homework over a snack, that kind of stuff. So you want it to be a comfortable space that doesn't feel chaotic. You want it to feel welcoming and homey and clean. Though, to be real, my kitchen has this one little counter area that's just a pile of random stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I try to keep the rest of it pretty livable, but you got to be careful of those piles. Yes, piles in general. Wherever yes. they are, <laughs> they always have things lurking underneath, right? Yes, they do. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about some of the basics. What are some important tips for organizing or setting up a kitchen? Like if it's your first time or yeah. if you feel like maybe you moved or maybe you feel like I need some better plan in this kitchen. Mm-hmm. Well, sadly, organization is not my biggest strength. I wish I could say I have a ton of lists of things to help, but, um, you know, just don't look inside my cupboards. Okay. okay. Is that your tip? <laughs> yeah, don't no. look in the cupboards? Not in mine. Uh, no. I mean, I feel like it's livable. You know, I tend yeah. to have, I, I'm a little bit comfortable with messes, but I know where everything is. Yeah. And that's pretty much all that matters to me. So um, I really do admire the people who have the lovely, like they're, you know, the glass cupboards that you oh. can see everything lined up in their little glass containers. It's awesome. I wish I was like that, but I've accepted that I'm not and I'm okay with it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but yep. I do use my kitchen a lot, so it has to be functional. It's not just a disaster zone because I, I live in there a lot and yeah. I want it to be a place I enjoy being. So right. it has to be workable. Um, and like I mentioned before, I want people to feel comfortable there. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to feel like they're surrounded by junk. So it's it's not a complete disaster. We host a small group every week. We've got people in there. I'm yep. always making sure it's presentable for people to be there. Well, um, it's hard to have your kitchen be clean all the time because you have people in there three times a day yeah. to eat. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of like a dropping zone. It is. For stuff. When they yeah. get home from school. I mean, our door opens into the kitchen. The kitchen, So yes. it's just, yep. yeah, stuff comes in. But I think one of the most helpful things that I can say is, and it's likely that this is obvious to most people, but I don't think it is to everyone. <laughs> but okay. one of the most important things that you can do is to do your dishes every day. Mm. Honestly, after every meal. Just don't let them pile up because once they start piling up, it starts to feel really stressful. And the bigger the pile gets, the longer yep. it takes to wash them. And then the more you want to put it off. And so just wash your dishes. Yes. Um, I also think it's helpful to put things in places where kids can reach so that they can help because you want to teach your kids to help so that they can do some of the stuff for you and it's not all on you. Yep. Um, so for them to be able to unload the dishwasher, um, put them away. We have like a cupboard near the floor level with plastic cups where little kids can put those away or get a cup out if they need one. And I just like to have my kids help so they'll be able to get what they need. And obviously, as my kids have gotten older, they can put things away up higher too. Most of them are not little anymore. Um, Another tip, and honestly, to be fair, I should give credit to this podcast that I sometimes listen to because it applies for people like me who are not the most organized. Okay. <laughs> it is called A Slob Comes Clean. Oh, wow. Yes. it's very <laughs> And she's kind of like a person like me who's like, oh, I'm just not the most organized. And then she kind of talks you through figuring out how she actually got, is organized. got organized yes. from being not organized. Um, anyway, but a lot of some of the things come from her that I'm sharing. So I know that I cannot be the only person 
who's listening to this who is kind of like me. You know, her podcast is popular, so there's, yes. o- there's others of us out there. Um, but one tip that I got from her is to go vertical with storing papers and things that tend to get put into piles. Like in your kitchen is where like all the mail and all the papers mm-hmm. come in. And so I bought this little hanging basket thing that has like three separate storage things and it hangs on the side of my cupboard so that I can slide important papers into it for school and things that come into the kitchen. And then I can periodically just go through it and pitch stuff that we don't nice. need. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Another tip is to keep the Tupperware drawer organized if Ooh. possible or the Tupperware cupboard, whatever you have. Um, I think it's better to store them with the lids on rather than trying to stack them separately to save space because you always lose the lids and then they don't, you know. And then, Oh, and the other thing is don't store your... Tupperware above your stove, which is where mine is. This is oh. terrible. I just need to reorganize like okay. what's where. But literally, like they're up above the stove in this little cupboard, and um, sometimes they just come flying out at you when oh you open boy. it. Oh boy! Oh <laughs> boy! At least they're just plastic. It's okay. Yes, that's right. It's not like all your glass, you know, your glass right. lids up there, no. or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I I actually gave you two gigantic thumbs up a minute ago because I a hundred percent agree on the Tupperware lids. Yeah. Why did we not do this? Why do not everybody do this? I don't know. I think we always thought you have to like keep them separate because you can stack them yeah. like, inside each other, but it's not, it yep. doesn't work. And I have found having less Tupperware yes. actually helps me. So I will routinely go through my Tupperware, get rid of the Tupperware that I don't need. Like, you know, you get a container of meat from the store or something. And I think, I don't want to throw that container away. Right. It's not actually Tupperware, but I could use it. Yeah. So I keep them in a different place so I can give a meal to someone in those, but I don't keep them in my Tupperware cupboard and I put lids on because if I don't, then when I'm getting low on Tupperware, I also know it means it's time to clean the fridge out. Oh yeah. Because I don't have very much left. Right. Yeah. Um, And um, I also love the idea in the kitchen of everything has a place Mm -hmm. and everything in its place. That really helps me out. So if something doesn't have a home in my kitchen, then I'm going to have to get rid of it or find a home for it. Right. And if I can't find a home, I might have to, sometimes I'll store things in my basement. You know, like you might not use your roasting pan year round. Right. So that's one that I would keep, but I wouldn't necessarily keep that in my cabinet in my kitchen. Right. Okay. So, but Sarah, here's the next question for you. How does a person keep her kitchen clean? I mean, it's really... One of those places that if you, you know, like like you said, we're in there three times a day cooking, cleaning, well, hopefully cleaning, but cooking, eating, stuff comes in. How do we keep it clean? What are some practical tips? Okay. Well, I mentioned it before about doing the dishes every day, but also just like wiping down the counters, clearing, it out, clearing off the piles every day, kind of just that daily maintenance so that it doesn't get out of control. Um, you just regularly like disinfecting your sink and trying not to store too many things on your counter. Mm-hmm. Kind of what you're talking about with putting them, yep. like having a everything place has everything. a spot, right? Yeah. Um, but the more you have sitting out, the more cluttered it's going to feel. Um, I I actually take some things that I don't use as often down to the basement, like you mentioned too. Like if they don't fit in my cupboards, yeah. Like my, you know, what's that food processor? Like things oh, that right. I don't use regularly. It just has. I have a shelf in the basement where those things go. Um, yeah. You don't want it to look cluttered. But I unfortunately have like a bunch of stuff up on top of my fridge right now that I need okay. to find spots for. It's not, I'm not following your everything has a place rule Well, right now. but there's a part that says that's going to happen. So yeah. then we, we almost have to accept that we're going to have that in our kitchen. Oh, for sure. Because yeah. if we want the Instagram, Pinterest kitchen, then no one lives there. Right. 
That's true. You know, we're just going to have that. Like routinely, I'm just going to have to clean out my pantry, Mm -hmm. you know, or ever so often we're just going to clean out our fridge because we put food in there. For sure. So we need to kind of have that idea. I also love, I have a 24-hour rule with dishes. Like I make an effort within 24 hours to make sure my dishes are all clean. Mm -hmm. And so that helps me. Sometimes at night, like we have something going on and I don't get them done. Well, then I do them the next morning. Right. And I know people who never do that and that's okay too. The goal is keep your kitchen clean. Right. Mm-hmm. And it takes Definitely. little tips and habits to do it. Yes. Okay. So let's talk for a little bit about some of the people that come in and out of our kitchen. We have a lot. Yeah. I'm going to give you a group of people okay. or an individual, for example, who might okay. come into our kitchen. I mean, I'm not naming names, you know, but what about if we brought, you know, <laughs> Susie Brown in? I don't even know a Susie Brown. That's not what I mean. I mean, groups. And how can we use our kitchen to bless these people? And how might we even may not do that well? Okay. You know, so, okay. um, or maybe what should we watch out for? So let's start. You know, if you're married, let's start with our husbands. Okay. Well, I actually, I asked my husband this question. Because I was like, wonder what he would say. And he, he was like, well, make me food. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love so, it. you know, I think that whole, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach is pretty true. Yes. <laughs> I know my husband likes my cooking. So it's fun, for, it's fun for me to make food for him that I know are some of his favorite things. You know, I'll try and kind of take note of the things that he mentions so that yep. I can have them on hand or make them soon. Just being aware of the food that will specifically bless him. Not always just making maybe the things that I would prefer to have. Um, and thankfully, Josh isn't a very picky eater. So he likes most things that I make. Okay, what's his favorite meal? Oh, I don't know. He really likes taco salad. That's one of the oh. things when I make taco salad. And there's also this chicken that I make that, like, I haven't made that in a really long time. But it's kind of like a copycat Outback recipe. Ooh, that, okay. Um, yeah, Aussie chicken. That was a, that's one of his very favorites. But that's nice. like a special occasion one. So. Okay, cool, cool. Okay, <laughs> oh, just and checking. meatloaf too. Meatloaf. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He likes All right. Meatloaf. Okay. Good. Yep. Okay. And another way to bless him is just to greet him when he comes in. Like at the end of the day, um, in my house, like I mentioned, it, it's we, we come in the kitchen straight from the garage into the kitchen, and so I'm usually there in the kitchen working on something when he gets home, and so I try and stop what I'm doing and just go give him a hug and ask him about his day. Um, even if he gets home later than I wanted him to mm. get home. Um, just, just And not just start unloading my day on him, mm. but to ask him how his day was. That's good. Yeah. And then I, I know all husbands are different. So there's going to be different issues when that we face when it comes to getting our kitchen work done and how it affects our relationships. Um, some women might have husbands who do not really get involved in the kitchen at all. And some may have husbands who are willing to or even want to cook dinner regularly. So Whatever the case might be, it's important to believe the best of his intentions and not resent him. Mm, good if, point. Yeah. If he's if he's not available or willing to assist at all, then we should just seek to serve him joyfully without complaining. Um, but if he likes to cook, we shouldn't resent that he makes different food than we prefer or that he leaves dishes for us to clean up. Um, and if he wants to help clean and do dishes like my husband often does, it's important to be thankful and not point out the ways that he does it wrong. <laughs> Or act like we have it all together and don't need his help. Thank you very much. I kind of get like that a little bit prideful and think, oh, I can just do it all. I don't need help. Mm. You know, and so let let him help me sometimes. That's Mm -hmm. a blessing to him and it's a blessing to me if he helps me. So um, not to just think, oh, he should just leave it all to me and it's my domain. You know what Mm. I mean? Yeah. So, Okay. Well, that's really good. I love this point about... One thing I really love that that you said is that all of our husbands are going to deal with the kitchen differently. 
right? And I think that's so mm-hmm. helpful because sometimes we get this idea that everybody's husband has to do it the same way. And I, you use the word not to resent, which I think we have to be diligent to do. So, yeah. okay, what about children? You know, little ones, elementary age, teens, college, even those who might have been moved out and are now coming home. What do we do with our okay. kids and our kitchen? Well, starting with little kids, um, they love to help in the kitchen, usually. <laughs> so to let them, let them help measure, even if they're going to be messier and take longer. And as they grow older, teach them what you're doing and why. Show them how to follow a recipe and do things on their own. Even let them try to make a batch of cookies without help, even though it might be an epic fail. That Ooh. kind of happened at my house recently with Ooh. one of my kids. But, you know, she was trying. Yes, right. <laughs> so um, as they move into the teen years and later on, um, they may be cooking you dinner. So yep. some of my favorite, honestly, some of my favorite, favorite childhood memories are from the kitchen. So I try and make lots of fun memories for my kids in our kitchen. Um, a lot of our traditions are rooted in the kitchen like making Christmas cookies together, um, cooking tons and tons of corn on the cob, and then cutting off and putting in freezer bags for freezer corn. That's a fun thing we like to do. Um, cooking up a big pot of soup when it first gets cold out and baking a loaf of homemade bread to go with it. Um, and another thing, another tradition that we love is fun birthday cakes. Um, I I like making creative cakes and like decorating them really fun. So that's one of the fun ways I bless my kids for their birthdays, Um, figuring out how to make it like special to them. So their favorite, like maybe like their favorite movie character or a sport they're into. The last one I did was a chess board for my 12 year old. (laughs) Wow. I made chocolate chess pieces and then he and his friends played chess with the chocolate chess pieces before they ate it. are kidding. No. I made up, like, I had molds. It was so fun. (laughs) Wow. So that was, like, a little more elaborate than sometimes. But it actually wasn't that hard because, like, I used a mold. So I've done harder cakes. That one wasn't that hard. That is not what I can do, (laughs) just on a side note. (laughs) Well, yeah, we all have (laughs) different things we like to do. It's just fun to know what our kids love and be intentional to sometimes bless them with it, Mm -hmm. Um, to have a special treat when they get home from school, I know that's something my kids have really been missing this fall. I've been working more, and so I'm looking forward to getting back to being able to do that more often after this job's done because mm-hmm. um, I'm just not home yet when they get off the bus. Um, I really prefer to be there to greet them with a snack and a hug and a chat about their day. So um, this is something that we can keep doing after they move out, too, having their favorite things for them when they come visit. My husband's mom still makes him banana pudding every time we go to her house. Wow. Yeah. That's I mean, cool. It's not that often. I mean, we only get there like a few times a year. Right. But he visits three like... times a week and she makes <laughs> banana pudding. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's always in yeah. her fridge. He knows it's going to be there yeah. when we go. She's so. prepared. Yeah. And um, yeah, I actually do not make fancy cakes for my kids' birthdays. That's okay. You know what we do at our house is... Um, I mean, we usually do some kind of a party in a theme, mm-hmm. um, even if it's just the kids and I. Sometimes they can have friends over, but I let uh, for a long time I would let them pick things to put on the cake. Mm-hmm. Now that sounds crazy, but it could be cars, or one of my daughters really was into these little princess dolls, and so we oh, stuck them in the cake. That's fun. They got to like decorate it. You yeah, know? I'm sure that's. I mean, every tradition exactly. is fun. Exactly. Yeah. That's really the key. Is just yeah. they. It still made it their own, right? You know, and it was fun, and so you know, embrace those things, right? And enjoy them. Okay, what about like extended family? We have grandparents, we have aunts, uncles, adult siblings, you know, all those people. Uh, How can we bless them in our kitchens? 
Okay. Well, in my family, we we often don't have extended family in my house for meals just because we don't live in the same town with, okay. with them. So when we gather, it's usually at my parents' house. So I kind of applied that to to there because okay. some honestly, some of the best times that I have with my mom and sister now are in her big kitchen, cooking meals together, making giant batches of homemade strawberry jam mm. or applesauce to freeze. We wow. do that like m- pretty much every year we do homemade j- strawberry jam together and we do applesauce together. So it's just like a fun thing to gather yes. and do together. Um she has these two apple trees. My mom does that. This year, they were loaded with so many apples. Wow. <laughs> she keeps having people over to make applesauce because she can't get rid of them. Yeah. So yeah. it's fun. Um, but it's fun for the cousins, too. The kids come. They get to play with their cousins while the moms chop up apples and cook yep. them down. And so it's really fun. And then we take it all home to our own freezers. That's so. awesome. <laughs> um, and I also think it's so fun to prepare, like, big holiday meals together, um, Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners and just serving a big meal like that and showing hospitality to family is such a special tradition. Um, you know, when we're all gathered together like that as a family, we're usually either cooking a meal together or we're sitting around my parents' big kitchen table with cups of coffee and talking. So I think the kitchen just is a place for great conversations. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, some of those best conversations happen in the kitchen. Talking about what we've been learning or sharing advice about parenting issues um, I think it's a lot of times easier to talk about serious things when we're working on something together. Yeah, I agree 100%. I don't know how many times I've been busy with a job with some of my kids, mm-hmm. and they asked some question that I thought, whoa, where did that come from, you know? <laughs> but it opened the door for great conversation, so you are right. And so that is a beautiful part of the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. What about friends or, you know, usually our church members that we know are friends too, but, mm-hmm. you know, like how can we show them love and care with our kitchens? Well, hospitality is such an important part of just building up friendships. And so we need to be having them into our homes. And the kitchen is so central in showing hospitality. Sometimes it's just making a big fun meal like homemade pizza or a taco bar for a group of families that you invite over. Or sometimes you might just keep it simple, pop some popcorn for your impromptu movie night for Mm. your kids and their friends or um, even just sticking some frozen pizzas or chicken nuggets in the oven for lunch when a friend pops over for a play Mm -hmm. date. Um, another thing, we, we host a small group, like I mentioned before. So we have people in our home every week. Um, and group members, we take turns bringing food. We don't, like, I don't have to make the food every time. Right. Um, but I always try and anticipate what might be needed and have it ready and available so that when people are there, they don't have to ask for what they need. So, like, coffee's made when they arrive. Cream and sugar are sitting out. Um, paper plates, silverware, napkins are set out and ready to go. I have this little, like, caddy that holds all that stuff so it's stocked up with all the things we need. Um, and then I make sure people know where my, where cups are in case they want to get a drink. Um, when it comes, when snack time starts after small group, just making sure that all the food's opened up, has a serving utensil in it, those kind of things that you don't necessarily yeah. always think about, but it needs to get done to make sure that people feel at home and not like they have to go digging for what they need or right. they go without it. So. And it seems like every week after a small group, everyone just kind of ends up standing around the kitchen eating and talking for a long time. They don't, (laughs) they could go sit down, but they just don't. They stay in the kitchen. Yeah, that's really a good point. I think it's very interesting um, how the kitchen ends up being the gathering place. You used that earlier in our talk today, like people gather there. That's just a gathering spot. Right. And I I think it's um, interesting how God made the kitchen to be that way and really made it to be around food. In many ways, you know. Yeah. Um, I also love your um, 
you know, your preparedness, you know, that you talked about for having mm-hmm. people over. I think that's such an important thing to have the stuff ready to go, be able to pull it out, mm-hmm. have the right plates, you know. I mean, it, and then if somebody were to stop over, you knew you could know how to get the coffee ready in five minutes or something, right. you know. Yeah. And I think that's really, really helpful. Okay, what about neighbors? Do you ever have your neighbors in your house? We do, actually. Um it's fun to have neighbors over for a meal. We've had a few different neighbors from our from the street we live on over to eat with us over the years, and it can be just a little awkward at first. Yes, um, <laughs> it can be. They're like first when I have invited people over, they're like, "Why?" You know, like yeah. my neighbors, like, "Why?" You know. Yeah, but it's always been a blessing to get to know them better. I feel like it's gone well each time that we've done it. Um, we have an elderly couple that live next door, and they're just. I feel like they're lonely, you know, like I try and bake her goodies pretty often because she isn't able to do much cooking anymore herself. And then um, it seems like they always enjoy that. And then her husband often will bring veggies from his garden over to share. That's fun. It's very sweet. Um, Yep. And I know some friends have hosted like big block parties for their neighbors, which I have not tried yet, but I love that idea. Yeah. Gives you a chance to get to know your neighbors. Yeah. And that's really a part of sharing the gospel is mm-hmm. actually the first step is actually knowing the people right. that live next to you or across right. from you. We've had um, our neighbors over, um, well, we've had, we've got three neighbors because I live in the country. Right. Um, so we've had two sets of them over and and the other ones we see all the time. We're always talking to them. But it's, um, it was, it's, it is very awkward mm-hmm. when you first do that because I think people don't really know what to do. Yeah. But then the more you do it, the more comfortable it becomes. It does. Okay. If we talk about all these people we know, let's talk about people we don't know. What about strangers? What about people we don't know in our homes? Well, I did think, I guess the one way that my husband and I have done this is through foster care. So um, we've been foster parents for about two years, and we don't have a placement right now, but we have had two placements so far. Okay. Um, So it's a lot different kind of hospitality than anything else that we've done. You know, in many ways, it's been difficult. Um, and stretched us and grown us for sure. Mm, I bet. Um, but when it comes to the kitchen, foster parents probably can't have quite the same expectations that they would for their own kids. Um, our first placement, she was a baby. So she kind of just learned to eat table food at our house like all the other babies did. Um, but our last placement was three when he came to us. And he okay. sadly had dealt with some food insecurity, just not always having enough to eat before mm. he came to us. So he wanted to eat like everything. Like mm. he he would eat until he made himself sick. Oh wow. And so he would just constantly ask for more food and more food on his plate. And you know, we learned that we kind of just had to eventually cut him off and make yeah. sure he always knew there would be food when he was hungry. Um mm. make sure that he felt safe and had what he needed. So a lot of I that's a thing that's a thing with foster kids, like hoarding food and like yeah. Just not having enough. So that's an opportunity to bless them by making sure that they know they will have their needs met. Well, wow. That's very interesting because upcoming next year in 2024, we're going to be at one point in the year talking all about foster care. Oh, so awesome. I, I think it that. will be good because um, like, I don't really think about foster care. Yeah. I am not in that position where I'm mm-hmm. foster care. I'm not doing that. Right. But um, I love this idea that this is definitely a way that we can open our homes it is and invite children in and also you could do i know a friend who does respite care which mm-hmm. is not all the time mm-hmm. it is a short time period and um how sad to think that some child didn't have enough food i know it is it's hard yeah what a blessing and there are lots of other ways to bless strangers it could be that you are giving someone food 
or like maybe food on the side. My husband is routine for doing this because he works um, and goes through areas of our town that have more homeless people hmm. or people who are asking for money. Yeah. And he will give money to people, um, not all the time, not every single time, but he also has bought them things. Nice. He's gone to the local, the corner store and said, go in here and we'll get you some food because it's a practical thing. Right. I know it's very difficult to figure out if they really need it or not. Do right. you know what I mean? Right. Like, But we also have to trust God in it that when we do give in that way, just like opening your home for foster care, that God's going to use it for mm-hmm. his glory in some way. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about how we can take our kitchen outside of the four walls then bless others. What are some practical things we can do to use our kitchen to bless others? Okay. Well, taking a meal is one of the best ways. I think um, like if someone just had a baby or mm. it's, it's just wonderful to not have to think about cooking when you first have a baby. Yeah. Um, or if you're sick or caring for a sick family member. Um just being aware, I think it's helpful for us to just be aware of when people are feeling overwhelmed, when they could use some extra help. I sometimes will even just have an extra freezer meal ready in my freezer so that I have it available right away if there's like an urgent need that comes up. That's a great idea. <laughs> I have never thought of that. I but mean, I love I do, it. it's not all the time, but like sometimes if I'm, you know, if you're doing a freezer meal, like, oh, make an extra yep. one, you know? Yep. So also just receiving, people love receiving homemade treats or a loaf of bread or just, it can just really make someone feel special and blessed. So just even just finding something that you can make that others will enjoy and just take to them just because. It doesn't have to be for a reason. Um, I'm not saying that you have to be some kind of like baking extraordinaire. You know, <laughs> I've mentioned I like to bake, but I have my things that I do and my things that I don't do. I'm, I've never ventured into sourdough. Oh. Um, <laughs> I think it sounds amazing, and I know a lot of people love it, but it's just I have enough on my plate. I yep. just, just don't compel, feel compelled to do that. So that's okay. Um, and if I make bread, which I don't do that often because I live really close to this local grocery store that has really good <laughs> Italian bread. And I just, I don't, I'm like, oh, I'll stop in there and get some bread. Um, but if I do make bread, it's usually like baked in my bread machine contraption oh, thing. One of those yep. other basement stored items. Yep. yep <laughs> but, that you pull up yeah, every three times yep, a year. But, once in yeah. a while. But it's it's nifty. When I bring it up, I, I'm always glad I do. Um, or... Sometimes that bread that you like don't even have to knead. You just like stir it and then let it rise and then you bake yes. it like in the cast iron, you know. So um, that's the easiest thing ever. But, but usually if I'm taking a treat to someone, it's going to be a sweet treat because at our house we are major sweet tooth. So we <laughs> we like cookies, we like cakes. But seriously, you don't have to be like some kind of chef to bless people with food. You could make them like Rice Krispie treats. You could mm-hmm. dip some pretzels in chocolate. It's still special when someone goes out of their way to make something just for you. Yeah, that's right. And I think um, my my sister-in-law used to always, when she would make like sweet rolls for her family, there was a little neighbor who lived across the street and she would just take her two sweet rolls. Oh, yeah. Same kind of thing as you talked earlier. I just think it's um, it's just kind to think about others yeah. in that process. Um, or you could meet at a park with someone and take lunch. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if coffee's food, but... I mean, hey, having people over for coffee is also great. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you might even meet someone for coffee. Coffee. Um, You could certainly buy it at a Mm -hmm. fancy coffee store. But if you are a person who loves coffee, why not make someone their favorite coffee in your kitchen and take it, you know? Yeah. Um, I've had really great coffee at people's houses. And even, like, people who have the fancy, like, milk foaming steamer thing. Yes. That makes it extra special. Yes. It's on my list for Christmas. Hint, hint (laughs) to my family. (laughs) Okay, so Sarah, what are some of the easy ways to have people in your home for a meal? Like, and why is this even important? 
Well, I think we kind of did already talk about this, but I, I think one other thing is utilizing outside spaces. We love hosting in the summer because we have a great backyard. And so it's fun to just grill and then eat outside. Um, or even just having people over to like make s'mores around yes. a campfire. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a whole meal um, or it's roasting hot dogs, you know. I guess that's technically not about the kitchen though, but it goes along with it, I it think. It still is. You're taking yeah. your kitchen outside. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I think hosting can sometimes be intimidating because it does take work. If you're going to do it well, it just takes some preparation. And you can't just wait until like 10 minutes before guests arrive and then start quickly whipping something up. You need to think ahead and yeah. ha- to have the food that you need in the house and then have the time to get it ready and get everything out that your guests will need. Um, you have to be able to put drinks out, make sure there's enough seats and all the logistical parts. Um, but when you have thought those things through and your guests come in and everything's ready, then they will feel like you want them there. And the things will go so much more smoothly than if you're just scrambling around and acting like crazy because you're not ready. And to be fair, I've totally, <laughs> I've been that like chicken with its head cut off before <laughs> when people arrive like, ah, I'm not ready because timing can be hard sometimes. Yes. I think every person has. I have too. Yeah. But hospitality is something that's important for Christians. We're called to do it as part of our fellowship with one another. And it's a huge part of discipleship and even evangelism. Um, If you haven't read the book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key by Rosaria Butterfield, it's a great resource. Just don't be intimidated by her. She's kind of like superwoman, but (laughs) (laughs) she's a humble and godly superwoman. So it's a good book. (laughs) It is. And her whole life of being a Christian and changing from where she was Mm -hmm. as an unbeliever to a Christian is all because someone reached out to her and invited her in their home. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's a good tip for someone who wants to do this, but they find it to be really scary or really intimidating? Well, you can start small. You don't you don't have to start out by inviting over five families the first time yeah, <laughs> or even wow. a family who has five kids. You know, just invite one couple over mm-hmm. and see how it goes. Start with people that you know will be easy to talk to. And then eventually you can kind of push yourself to invite larger groups or even people who might be a lot different than you. Um, and you don't have to go fancy. You can cook you can cook spaghetti. You can grab a bag of Caesar salad. You don't um, you can even order pizza. It's not about what you eat, it's the time together that's important. Um, and one little t- tip that I think it's I think it's better to have too much food than not enough food. So I almost always make too much because my family will happily eat the leftovers. So it's a win-win. Right. I um I when I have people over, one thing I do um is usually I pick a meal and I remake that meal multiple times. Yeah. And I just go, okay, we're just gonna do this. I find this meat on sale, so we're gonna make you know pork loin and we're gonna add these things. And I just do the same meal throughout the year. Hmm. And then that way I'm not having to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. It is helpful. I will say my kids know. <laughs> because they say, oh, are we having pork again? <laughs> so, I, you know, it can backfire a little bit. But it is yeah. nice, you know, to have a couple meals that you've, yeah. you've already Especially laid out. Especially if it's a really good meal. Yep. Everybody will enjoy yep. it. <laughs> and you've already laid out. You know what you need. Make a grocery list, yeah. you know, on your phone that's or smart. somewhere. It just makes it a little easier. Okay, now, Sarah, sometimes we're forced to host people because, you know, here this is coming out and, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas, you know, these events that come in our lives. How can we celebrate the holiday if we didn't actually choose to host that event or we really don't want to? (laughs) Well, you know, we're going to have throughout our lives situations that we don't choose. Um, We have to decide what our attitude is going to be. We can complain 
or we can choose to serve joyfully and make the most of it. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage you to just act like you did decide to host it and put the same effort and enthusiasm in that you would have if it was your idea. And I'm not saying that that's easy. I mean, I know there's times where I don't want to do things and I have to kind of talk myself into it. But yeah. having a good attitude is just going to make it so much more enjoyable for you and and for everyone else too. Um, God, he just, he sometimes calls us to die to ourselves and to our own yep. desires and our obedience honors him. I heard a phrase recently that sometimes we have to boss our thoughts and emotions around. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. That's because really good. I was like, yes, I need to boss my emotions. I need to boss around my feelings right now and right. get them in line, you know? So uh, that's kind of what you got to do. Sarah, have you ever heard of Gordon Ramsay's Hell's Kitchen? I've heard of it. I don't think I've watched it. Okay. So um, there have been a few times in my life where I've really enjoyed watching. um, One of them was, it was a snowstorm and I had just had a baby Mm -hmm. and I was in the hospital with my baby. This is my youngest. And I had a chance to watch cable. We didn't have cable. And I watched Food Network like 24-7 during those two days I was in the hospital because no one visited me. And I watched Gordon Ramsay's Hell's Kitchen. And here's the thing. He is always yelling and screaming at the contestants on this reality show who are making food. He is always mad at them or telling them it's not done, you know, correctly. Um, And I wondered if you have ever had kitchen drama. Oh, for sure. (laughs) I I have had some kitchen drama. Um, Sometimes it's because of me, but sometimes it's other things. So I wanted to give you a few areas of drama. And think about how we could respond. Okay. I promise I will not be like Gordon Ramsay and yell at you. <laughs> okay, thank you. Okay, so. <laughs> all right, the first is small children. And this just in itself brings drama to the kitchen because it's mm-hmm. just different. So what about kids? How can we embrace having our kids as part of our cooking, cleaning, you know, the work that happens in the kitchen and not be irritated or inconvenienced mm. by their help? <laughs> well, I mentioned it earlier, but I think kind of just being willing to accept the mess is kind of part of it. Um, things are going to go wrong, and you have to be prepared for that. (laughs) Even praying about it as you're going into it, that God will help you have a loving response, Mm. whatever transpires, like preparing yourself with prayer. Um, The kitchen is a wonderful place to spend time with your kids. Um, Don't get into the mindset of it being your own space, your own domain, a place for me time. I'm I'm sometimes tempted to just check out, like listen to a podcast while I'm in the kitchen. Well, put I don't my know. Maybe in. that's okay. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. agree with you. I mean, there is a time for it. Sure. I think. If your kids are like doing Busy, other stuff, yep. yeah, they're not home or they're, you know. But if your kids are home and they're around and they want to be with you, yes. then don't tune them out. Um, turn on some worship music. Praise Jesus together while you work. And Engage with your kids. Use the time that they're with you for conversations about school and life and let them help you with the kitchen chores. It's going to be a blessing to you in the long run if they know how to do that stuff. Require it of them. But you have to be careful not to expect the same level of clean that you do and the same speed that you do. Right. You know, having a little grace as they're figuring it out. Yeah, maybe some of it is setting our expectations that it's going to take us longer. There's going to be messes, right? Right. Um, I also love having tools that work for kids when they're in the kitchen with you. It might be that step stool so they can be at the counter or maybe it's um, like those non-plastic knives so they can spread the butter, you know, if they're little or whatever, you know, so they can do it. I also love um, cookbooks for kids. Yeah. Cookbooks for kids are so much simpler. They are. And they can pick a recipe. And I also think it's okay 
to have one kid help you each day. If you have more oh. than one kids, instead of having everybody help with di- dinner, yeah, I like saying that. your day is Wednesday, you're going to help me. Um, and I think that's helpful. My daughter, who is adult and married now, has a recipe she made from a kid cookbook. It's lasagna. Yeah. And she can still make that lasagna. And you know what? It's good. It tastes yeah. good. I have some kid cookbooks that are really excellent. So, yeah. yeah. They're simpler in how they describe things, and they're simpler in their ingredients, mm-hmm. but you can still have good food. So Definitely. All right. Let's say you are fun- cooking for your family, and, well, they don't like it. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know veggies. Livers and onions. Hmm. I don't think anyone cooks livers yeah, and, do liver and onions. I, I don't never, know. I don't think I've ever eaten I it. have. I have. My dad used to make it. But oh. honestly, many kids just have something they don't like. Maybe it's a bunch of something. So yeah. what do we do with picky eaters? Yeah, you can't please everyone every time. <laughs> but I do think that avoiding picky eaters needs to start when they're pretty young. Having them try what you're eating, just giving them your same meal even when they're little, that once they're old enough to try it, they need to be able to eat what you're eating. Um, as moms with several kids, you can't be a short order cook who caters to each kid's preferences. Um, at our house, for the most part, we have what we're having for dinner. If you don't want to eat that, then you're not eating dinner. My, right. ki- <laughs> my kids are pretty good eaters, thankfully. They will usually eat whatever I make. Now, maybe not every single component of the meal. Like one of my kids doesn't love tomatoes. So if we're having tacos, it's fine for him to make a taco without tomatoes. But he'll eat them if they're in something, and he'll eat them if they're served at served at someone's house. Mm. So your kids should be learning to try things. Usually there's some part of the meal that the kid will eat. Maybe it's just the rice, but at least they eat something. And I, I don't force my kids to, like, choke down something that they just hate. Um, my youngest has gone through some pickier seasons, and so... I don't turn every meal into this battle where I'm feeding her bites of food. It's just her choice if she is going to be hungry or not. Right, right. (laughs) So um, she's not going to get an alternative meal, and she's definitely not getting some fun snack an hour later when she's hungry. Um, I have been known to kind of save her plate for when she inevitably comes back wanting a snack later, and I'll let her, like, eat her dinner then if she really Mm -hmm. wants dessert. So, um, you know, I'm and I'm not quite sure what I would do about an older picky eater. I think— there can be a place for requiring them to at least try something. Um, a bite or two, even the more we try things, even for myself, the more we try things, the more likely we are to start liking it. I didn't used to like asparagus, but it grew in me the more I ate it. <laughs> um, and I know sometimes kids have like sensory factors with food where they're things that like make it a little more complicated with like knowing what they're going to eat. Um, so there's no one exact way to handle these right. food aversions. Um, we have to know our kids. We have to know when their behavior related to food is sinful because sometimes it will be. And we need to parent them in a way that helps them learn to fight their sin and die to themselves and live in obedience to God. Sometimes honoring their parents, which ultimately does honor God, means that they will need to do things they don't like. And it's good for us to require hard things from them because sometimes God requires hard things from us. It's, mm. it's part of growing as a Christian. Yeah, those are really wise words, Sarah. Um, all of my kids have probably one or two things they don't like, and I'm okay with it. Like, it's fine. I have a son who does not like chili. He just really doesn't. Now, yeah. when we recently we went to someone's house and they served chili and he ate it. But, um, you know, if he wants to, in that case, he's old enough, and mm-hmm. I'd say, you can make yourself a and j yeah, and he'll make a P and J. It's not, it's it's not um, a constant issue for him. 
it's an occasional thing. Right. He has like two things he doesn't like. And I think that's part of it. More of it is if it's a consistent thing that they're always picky. Right. Then it's a different story. Yeah. You know, then you you have to do go at it a different way. I but, agree. You know, yeah. if it's occasional, fine. Um, I do remember, you know, seasons in my life where, you know, there's just different things. Like I remember my one son was eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. He didn't want to eat. He was, he says, I'm not hungry. I'm not hungry. And I said, you will eat that peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Mm. You are just going to eat it because we are going to leave and we got to go to this event and I am not going to have you hungry. And I was really mad at him. Yeah. So he did what I said. He obeyed me. He did it. And then in the car ride, all of a sudden I smelled peanut butter and jelly oh, because no. he threw it all back up. He was sick. He was sick. And oh. I will always remember that story. If your kid is not hungry, yeah. they're probably There's not hungry. Some reason, yeah. And also I've had kids who just weren't hungry for very much food and they didn't ask for food later. You know, mm-hmm. so it really is a balance. It's it really is. you have to know your yep, kids. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I always will say if you want to teach your kids to eat veggies, then eat veggies. Mm-hmm. You yourself eat them. Um, I have children who would eat. My neighbors were required. My neighbor girls who live next door to us were required to eat carrots every day. Two carrots at every meal. <laughs> they did not like vegetables. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, they ate two carrots. That's so I funny. found this out later. They would meet my kids in the backyard, and they would share. My kids would eat their carrots, and they... <laughs> It, like, I don't even remember. They would, like, share their orange juice and ham with them or something. I don't remember. There was, like, this trade-off in the backyard. Oh, I didn't know so about it till funny. later. But it had to do with carrots because they wouldn't eat it, and my kids would eat it. So, you know, eat it, season them, cook them well, figure out ways to cook them, put them in things. Yeah. I mean, you know. Roasted vegetables are really yummy. Yeah. Like, and if you eat them, your kids will eat them. They will. So. Yep. Okay. What about if something doesn't taste right or you didn't make it right? Like we talked about at the beginning when I added, like, a tablespoon of salt to yes, something. What do yes. you do? Well, there's always pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You know, you can get pizza, but sometimes you don't have time even for that. So don't make it into worse drama than it needs to be. I can really sometimes beat myself up when things go wrong like that. And yeah. there's nothing beneficial that comes of a pity party. Um, pity parties are just my pride coming yeah, out. So right. <laughs> move on and deal with the problem at hand. You might need to start over if it's actually inedible. Um, I always have to try – I try to have some things on hand in my fridge and freezer and cupboards that can just get thrown together really quickly, like grilled cheese and tomato soup, um, hot dogs and baked beans, pancakes and eggs, even peanut butter and jelly if you're in a major time crunch. Not every meal has to impress everyone. They just need food to fill up their bellies. And if you have company over when it happens, well, it, it just may be a humbling experience for you, but – those are good for us sometimes. Um, you're going to laugh about it later. I remember this one time I had a friend over for lunch after church, and something burned terribly in the Uh-oh. oven. It got <laughs> so smoky in my house that we literally had to crawl out of the house on our hands and knees. Like, no it way. Was, the house filled with smoke. I don't even know. It was terrible. It was oh, my so goodness. so embarrassing. We were, I, we were like crying and laughing, and we couldn't <laughs> breathe. <laughs> We ate outside, um, and thankfully... I see why. Yeah, thankfully it was a nice enough day to eat outside, and that was memorable. Oh, my goodness. Um, We've talked about it from time to time over the years. It's a good memory. Yeah, it it is. Okay, so, Sarah, we've got a couple more dramas, because you're right, cooking food, there's just so much drama in the kitchen Mm -hmm. in all kinds of ways. And I think another big one is money. 
Yes. Everything costs so much and it's so easy much. to overspend on food. How can someone keep their budget small or maybe just a little smaller than it already is? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's so hard. It's, it's, I'm no expert here, unfortunately, feeding three teenage boys. So we definitely spend a lot of money yeah. on food. They um, eat a lot. They do. Um, and so I usually buy generic brands. I kind of do the, I compare prices of the items like per price. I try to compare the price per ounce or price per pound, yes. like so that you see what you're really buying the cheapest thing. Um, and we just, we don't eat fancy food, you know, like I stick mostly with like chicken, pork, ground yep. beef, not, um, and I just try and keep a decent amount of food. One way, one way that I like to shop, I try and keep a decent amount of food on hand in my cupboards and freezers that I buy on sale. Yes. So that way I can kind of shop from what I already have. And then I meal plan from what I already have, so I don't have to go to the stores often. And my favorite store to shop at is probably Aldi. It seems to generally be the cheapest prices, and it's really close to my house, which is great. Um, and it ta- I can get in and out of there really quickly. Yes. Um, though I've also started utilizing, like, a grocery pickup at Kroger because that's really convenient now that I'm working more. And I don't, like, throw everything in my cart then, too. Right. You don't see the end cap where you right. go, ooh, I would like to try those. You yes, know, you just exactly. don't even see it. Yeah, those are good, really good suggestions. And it's kind of always a battle. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Okay. Our final drama is meal planning. Mm. I just want to pause and have us all grieve for a moment <laughs> all the hours we spend yeah um it's really actually a good thing to plan for our families but it can feel like a nightmare um you know we need some simple ways to make this work okay. so what are your thoughts so i've shared how i'm not that organized <laughs> sadly that kind of carries over into meal planning it's just it's not something that i usually spend a ton of time doing honestly right. Each week I kind of know what I already have on hand and I have a general idea of what I might make from that this week. Yeah. And so like I always have like canned tomatoes, frozen vegetables stocked, pasta, rice, beans, tortillas, baking supplies, stuff like that. It's always kind of in my house. Okay. And then I mostly just cook from my stock of food that's already in my house. But I'm not someone who has it all figured out for the whole week ahead of time. I often decide that morning what I'm going to make for dinner. Okay. Okay. So, and there have been seasons where I shopped for specific ingredients and wrote down like a list of meals that I would make that week. And, um, but, and I would say that most weeks I do have at least a few things I'm specifically planning to buy, to make. So I put on my shopping right, list specific right. items, like in anticipation of making certain dishes. But it's like kind of just in my head, you know? Yeah. <laughs> mostly, yeah. The, you know, there's mostly just like those staples that I buy regularly because I know I'm going to need them. Like, Cheese, dairy, eggs, meat, right. fresh vegetables, fruits, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I do know ladies who cook for their whole week on Saturday so that they don't have to do it during the week. I've heard wow. of this. Um, I've never tried that. <laughs> I've also tried the freezer meal thing once or twice where you make a bunch of batches of food and freeze them ahead of time to throw in the crock pot. It wasn't something that like caught on for me really. Um, others might like that. I do a lot of times if I'm doing like a baked pasta dish, like a lasagna or something like that, I'll make an extra one or two and put them in my freezer. But it's yeah. not something that like I'm regularly making freezer meals. Um, I'd say I'm not super creative in this season of my life with working. <laughs> um, <laughs> during COVID, it was so fun. I had all that time on my hands. I was going crazy with oh, all yes. the fun recipes, but not these days. <laughs> um I cook a variety of things, but I don't try a lot of new recipes since I'm working and my kids have lots of activities. Yep. So I 
usually don't even use recipes that much. <laughs> I kind of yeah. just like know what's in my head that I'm going to make and throw together and like crockpot meals, things I can make quickly when I get home. Tacos are a one pan roasted meal or a skillet meal. Um, soup a lot this yep. time of year. Uh, breakfast for dinner. Oh, that's like a that. favorite. Yeah, we yeah. like that. Yeah, I think that you have a really good point. Like having a having a freezer is a really nice u- appliance to have. Oh, for sure. Like a big freezer and and having a pantry or a place that you store it could be you're in your basement, so yeah. you can stock up on things that you tend to make a lot. Um, and I also think it's good to have a list on your phone or a list somewhere where mm-hmm. you're keeping of what you have. Yes. How much ground beef do you have in your freezer? Oh, yeah. How much, you know, chicken do you have? Like, what is in your freezer? I, I have fish in my freezer right now, like uh, tilapia, hmm. and I need to cook it. Like, it's probably ready to, I need to cook it, like, yeah. this week. And so, you know, like, it's good to keep track of that. Yeah. It just mm-hmm. kind of is another way to think about yeah. planning, but really, it's not about what you do. Right. It's just about feeding your family well. Yeah. They just have to eat. Yeah. So, Sarah, it's been great to have you on. It's been so fun. Yeah. But I have one more question. Okay. What is your favorite resource for cooking? Like a cookbook or something. <laughs> what do you use? Okay. Well, honestly, my best resource is my mom. <laughs> oh, real. wow. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I learned so much of what I know from her. And she just made, when I first got married, she made me a bunch of recipe cards of like our family favorites. And she gave them to me as a gift when I got married. And I still use those all the time. That's so, so fun. <laughs> it is. So that is a plug for teaching your kids to cook because it was so worth it that my mom taught me to cook. Um, and like I mentioned before, that time together in the kitchen is really valuable. Um, but as far as other resources, there's so many. The internet is so full of good recipes and the reviews are so helpful. You can always tell if it's a good recipe or not because people leave reviews online. So I probably use allrecipes.com the most, but I often just go to Google and Google whatever I want to make and see what pops up. And right. then whichever one I have the ingredients for, I make that one. Um, and then I catalog my favorites in an app on my phone for future reference. So if, huh. they're, if they're like a keeper, it's like the recipe, I don't know, a recipe app. I like it. Um, but then I can save them and use them again. Nice. Yeah. But my very favorite resource, and this is not something that's like an everyday resource, but it's my favorite because it's so great. I discovered it goes back to the COVID era. Okay. Okay. Um, America's Test Kitchen, they are, they are the best recipes. Yes. yes. And they are not quick recipes. <laughs> like, no. They are like more on the fancy side, but hence that connection to COVID. But I, um, when I had time to try these recipes that were a little more complicated, I found my favorites. I paid for like a membership for their website for a year and I printed out all the favorites. And oh, then that's I, fun. <laughs> I made this fun book that had all my Aww. favorites together in it. And then I, um, I use it. Pretty, All the time. Yeah, pretty often. And then my mom actually ended up buying me the giant, complete America's Test Kitchen cookbook, and it has all the recipes in it. So I have them all wow. anyway. And there's so many in there that I'd love to try sometime when I get a minute or like a few hours. Right, right, for <laughs> sure. it's a long, a lot of them take a long time. But. Yes. Well, you know, it's, um, it is good to have some resources. And really the key is to have things you know how to cook. Mm-hmm. It's better to be able to cook the things than to get this massive, crazy recipe that stresses you out. Right, for sure. When yeah. you don't have time. So, Sarah, it was so, so great to have you on today. It we, was lots of fun. Yeah, and it's good to talk about the kitchen. It's a place that God has given us to use for His glory. Yes. And there are so many ways to do that in the kitchen. And it's a place that even though we have those constants, I feel like the kitchen is constantly cooking, I'm constantly cleaning, mm-hmm. I'm constantly planning, that's actually good for us. because. It is. 
it is something God gave us to do, and I'm grateful for it. So thank you. Yeah. Would you pray for us today? Yes. Dear Father in heaven, I thank you so much for this time to just talk about the kitchen and think about ways that we can use it to bless others and honor you. And I pray that you would help us and all the ladies who are listening um, just to have joyful attitudes in their service in the kitchen and to find ways to bless you and others with our kitchen, Lord. And thank you so much for giving us this work to do, and I pray that we would do it to your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. And it's time for this episode's Tiny Tidbit. A tiny tidbit is just a small, tiny piece of information that can help you in a really big way. Today's Tiny Tidbit is brought to you from Haley Mazer. Welcome to our Tiny Tidbit segment. What do you have for us today? Well, I have for you how to make good pizza dough. Or Yum. pizza, I should say, homemade pizza. Yum. Okay, tell me. Okay, so there are, are two things that drastically impact your pizza. Okay, I love this. Because, like, I'm ready to go make pizza now. Yeah. One is when you roll out your dough, don't just put sauce on it. Pre-bake it. So oh. So you put it in the oven for a couple minutes... Let it cook a little bit, and then when you pull it out, you can let it cool if you want to, and then then put your sauce and your okay. cheeses. It helps prevent sogginess. That is so good, because sometimes the middle of my pizza is not done all the way. Yeah. But the outside edges are definitely done. Mm-hmm. So how long would you be putting it in there for? Um, I mean, it could be anywhere. I typically would do like five to seven minutes. Okay. Just enough. So it's not cooked all the way through necessarily, yeah. but enough so that you can see that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And it also, if you want to freeze your pizza dough, you pre-bake it and then you could just wrap it how it is. Oh. And you could freeze it as just the, the, like, whole, the whole dough. Or if you pre-bake it, you can sauce it and put cheese and stuff and just freeze it like that. And it's like a frozen pizza. Mm, yum. Yeah. So yum. it's a great way to well, freeze it. Okay. So pizza is a great thing. And really fun to have as a family. And when you're having people over, you could do that ahead. Mm-hmm. Yes. Especially for big families. That That's great. eat a lot. Yeah. Yeah. The second thing is if you want to be really serious, <laughs> you got to have a pizza stone. Oh. Yeah. And when you heat up your oven, it's got to be the hottest that your oven can go. Okay. Which I think is in the 400s. I, mine actually goes to 550. I wondered if mine goes so to 500. I think probably, I think most, most of go them. to 500. Okay. Yeah. So where would I get a pizza stone? Where's the best place? Can you just get them? I mean, like Amazon probably has them, but is there a particular thing you need? Do you need to oil it too? No. Okay. No, I don't think so. I mean, not the one that I got, but okay. I think, I mean, I'm very, I like thrift stores, so I go to Goodwills, things like that. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you can find a pretty good one. Okay. I'm sure King Arthur has some sort of pizza stone. On yeah. yeah. Also, with your pizza stone, when you're heating up your oven to as hot as it would okay. get, you put your pizza stone in, too, so it gets hot. Okay. Why would I do that? It prevents your pizza from sticking or your dough. But Ooh. if you pre-bake it, it also, like, when you pre-bake oh. your dough, you don't really have to worry too much about it. Okay. Okay, so there's just some different things to think about, but mm -hmm. pizza's a really fun one for a family and a great thing. I had a friend mm -hmm. who, who every Friday night they made pizzas. Mm. That was just their every week thing. Yeah, Very cool. That's really cool. And yummy and easy. Friday nights, you never have to think about what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, it's always pizza. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I like it. Pizza, yeah. movie, mm. you know, 
I can do that. So. And the kids get to get in it. Yes. You know, get yes. their hands dirty. They do. Yep. And then they can eat their own pizza. pizza yeah. And they don't have to eat mine. You know? Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I should say this. I don't have to eat theirs, right? If they're little right. kids and they're a little right. bit dirty. Yeah. So You don't know where those hands are. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Haley, so much for these great tips on pizza. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. I think everyone's going to go make pizza now. listening. Join us next week as we um, jump into an episode on Thanksgiving. And by the way, happy Thanksgiving. We are going to be talking about one woman's life story and how God has been with her and all the ways that she is thankful. And it's going to be such a great thing for us to think and listen to and really embrace thankfulness this season. And don't forget to follow or like us on Instagram or Facebook. You can find us at Women of the Word CTW. There is great content there. And um, go over there and join us today. And you can also find us on your favorite podcast directories. So go and subscribe today. You can find us on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Podbean. Well, honestly, wherever you listen to podcasts, we are probably there. We drop a new episode each and every Thursday. Remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God. Until next time. Mm-hmm.